Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Jesus, unlike all the rest, wasn't just sent by God. Jesus is God. So yes, God was working through him. If we want to say the Father was working with him, the Holy Spirit was upon him. The three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they were working together to bring about the salvation of mankind. In today's broadcast, we begin a new two-part study from Pastor Sam entitled, Born Again and Alive in Him. We will be looking at chapter 3 of the Gospel of John in its entirety, and we will start, of course, in verse 1. We will be considering Nicodemus' visit to Jesus and the exaltation of Jesus by John the Baptist. So, let's listen in. One of the things John wants us to be sure of is that salvation is a gift from God. Saved by grace through faith, Paul will later write, that not of ourselves, not of works, lest any should boast. John wants us to know that salvation, yours and mine, it's a gift from the Father, paid for by the Son and secured in the Holy Spirit. John tells us in 1 John, and this is sort of a theme throughout his writings, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. So whatever you believe about Jesus or whatever you think to be true, the question isn't how much do you know about him? The question is, do you know him? And does he know you? Well, chapter 3, verse 1, we meet a Pharisee. That's a religious leader in that day. They're in the land of Israel, very conservative, very spiritual outwardly. Some of them actually spiritual inwardly. I think Nicodemus is one of those. There was a man, we read, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Ruler here tells us he was on the Sanhedrin. It was made up of 70 spiritually minded people or supposed to be mostly Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees, religious conservatives. The Sadducees, well, they, they liked Moses. They didn't really go for a lot of the rest of the scripture, which makes you wonder how they were the ruling council on the ruling council of God's own people. But uh, there's a play on word to remember the difference between the two. The Sadducees, you see, they don't believe in the afterlife. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe in the spirit world. That's why they're Sadducee. So uh, that you ought to be able to hang on to. You'll know the Pharisees believe it all, think they're doing it. They have a few things to learn about it. Jesus will deal with that. The Sadducees, he'll deal with them as well as we go forward. Well, this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, a term of respect, we know you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. The signs, the wonders, the miracles that Jesus was working was proof positive to those who were looking for the Messiah 
that Jesus was at least sent by God and anointed by God. God was working in and through him. But Jesus is more than someone through whom God works. He worked through the prophets of the Old Testament and, and he worked through Moses and the others. No, this is different. He's different. God was working through John the Baptist and we'll come back to him in our study today. But Jesus, unlike all the rest, wasn't just sent by God. Jesus is God. So yes, God was working through him. If we want to say the Father was working with him, the Holy Spirit was upon him. The three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they were working together to bring about the salvation of mankind. Sent by the Father, saved by the Son, secured by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus' signs convinced many that, well, God was with him as we read. John 20, verse 31, these are written, John says, these specific signs he records in his gospel are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. It's not just believing stuff about him, it's believing in him, a belief that leads to his gift of everlasting life. Now, this is why this is so important. I would think most, if not all of you, are aware of these things, but you're living in the midst of a time historically in our state, in our city, in this culture, where people believe all sorts of things, but few ever read the Bible. And sadly, even, even Christians don't always read the Bible, so they believe what they've heard, but they're not reading it for themselves. My purpose in going all the way through every book with you is that you would read it. You would never just take my word for it. You'd be as the Bereans who received the word with readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily to see if those things are so. Well, anyway... Belief in his name is a belief that leads to life. By the way, related to the miracles, Isaiah 29, 18 says, In that day the deaf shall hear, listen, the words of the book. They won't just hear. Jesus was giving the deaf the ability to hear, and then he was telling them the words of God. The eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble shall increase their joy in the Lord. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Well, Jesus wants Nicodemus to know him. He wants him to experience his forgiveness. So he knows the first step is explaining to Nicodemus that in spite of all his learning, in spite of his godly activities, his respect in the community, he himself is still lacking. Jesus answers and says to him, verse 3, Most assuredly, Old King James, verily, verily. Some of the newer translations, truly, truly. I like that because when a word is said twice, it's always meant to give weight, emphasis to that word. So truly, truly, or verily, verily, 
Here most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The word born again, the, the, the word again can be and elsewhere is translated anew. Unless you have a new birth, that's one of the things it's called. Born from above, also a good translation of the word again. And he's saying, unless you have this experience, born again, born anew, born from above, you'll never see the kingdom of God. The idea is we were born physically into the kingdom of darkness and death. To be born again is to be born spiritually into the kingdom of life and light. There are those who say, no, that's not the only way. Jesus will claim, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And if we're going to believe him, then we have to believe that. And so uh, those who believe otherwise, well, perhaps the most powerful belief out there is reincarnation. They kind of westernized it for us to make it a little more palatable culturally, but there are billions of people that believe in reincarnation. And uh, what's the gist of it? You don't just die and then face judgment, which by the way, the scripture's clear on, it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Reincarnation says, no, you die and then you come back and live again. And you die and you come back and live again. And you die and you come back and live again. And the idea is you're working your way up some spiritual ladder, working toward the state of nirvana or some, well, some made up thing because none of that comes from scripture and none of that is reality. It's the fabrications of men who either don't know or don't believe the word of God. So reincarnation, it's tied to karma, of course. We hear the word, but, but karma, it is a horrible, horrible doctrine, doctrine of demons, I would say. It teaches that if you're a good person, you're going to come back next time in an even better state than the one you were in. If you're a bad person, you'll come back next time in a worse state than the one you're in. They believe that the animals around them are actually reincarnated people. That's why they don't eat cows over there. And listen, millions starve to death in countries that embrace this this idea of reincarnation and karma. They won't eat the cows because they think the cow could be Aunt Bessie. And then they won't eat the rats that eat the grain that make the cows skinny because the rats are eating all the grain. They won't eat the rats because they're like, that could be Uncle Joe. And uh, while we chuckle at that idea, the crazy part is they actually believe it. And so the, the, you can see the fruit of a doctrine, though, of a belief system and how it impacts people. God says that his plan is that we believe on him and become like him and be transformed by him, that we would become lovers of God and lovers of people and that that would be demonstrated in practical, observable ways. Reincarnation, 
It, it, it's, it's let somebody live next door, somebody with everything in the world live next door to somebody with nothing. They won't even do a thing for them. Why? Because they're working out their karma. And obviously my karma must be good because look at the situation I find myself in. It's all a fabrication. It's all a lie. So this idea of being born again or you'll never see the kingdom of God, it's a huge issue. Now for the Jews, the kingdom of God was a major issue. 70 times the phrases used in the New Testament, 55 of them are in the Gospels. David promised there would be another who would sit on his throne who would rule and reign in righteousness. Isaiah, in Isaiah 9, 6 said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore. So promised by David, prophesied by Isaiah, and prioritized by our Lord and Savior Jesus. How so? He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Can I just ask, what were you most concerned about an hour ago? What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He says, don't sweat that stuff. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Every good and necessary thing comes down from the father of lights. And so the priority of seeking the kingdom of God, oh so, oh so important. Well, Nicodemus says to Jesus, doing something I mentioned in our last study people often do, taking the figurative literally and the literally figuratively. He clearly takes this a bit too literally. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? It almost sounds absurd. In fact, I would think if I didn't know better, well, if my grandkids said it, I would think they were just messing with me. But Nicodemus, he's a spiritual leader. He's respected. He's regarded. He's revered. And Jesus is going to call him the teacher of the nation. So he's like, well, how exactly would that work? Jesus doesn't even address the stupidity of the question, he just answers saying, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The first birth, that of water, is physical. It leads to temporal, physical, natural life. The second birth is spiritual. It leads to spiritual, eternal uh, everlasting life. Now, there are those who say, well, this could be the water in the spirit. Listen, I have no problem with the idea that you need the, war the word of God because the water is a symbol for the word of God. You need the word of God and the spirit of God in order to transform the heart of a person and make them a child of God. 
But that's not what he's addressing here. He'll deal with that later. What he's saying here is there's the natural birth and there's a spiritual birth. And he'll build on that idea to make sure we get it. That which is born of flesh is flesh, he'll say. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That's what he says in verse 6. So uh, in any case, regeneration, the idea of being born again and alive in him, says you've been born physically, now you need a spiritual birth. And remember, he's teaching Nicodemus, who was the teacher of Israel. Once he comes to believe the truth, he'll be sharing it with a lot of other people, and that's always God's plan. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Verse 6, that's what Jesus has to say. There's natural and supernatural because the flesh produces a natural man. The spirit produces a spiritual man. That's true for women as well. We've all had the physical birth. He's saying we all need the spiritual birth. It's why no one can work their way to heaven. You would still be a natural man or woman. And even though Aretha makes that sound so cool when she sings it, it still leaves you dead in trespasses and sins. Well, he goes on. Oh, the word for spirit, by the way, important to note. It's translated both wind and spirit. So there's a little bit of a play on words as we move into verse 8. But first, verse 7 says, Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. 186 times that little word must appears in Scripture. And so if God says this must happen or that must happen or you must do this or I must do this, well, those must are exceedingly important. 1 John 4.20, here's a great example of it. If someone says, I love God, and isn't that something we would all claim, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he's seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also, I'd suggest in order to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength and our neighbor as ourself, our brother, our wives, our, our friends, our foes, our enemies, we must first be born again. And then we need, once we're alive spiritually, we still need to learn and grow. We need to realize what is the will of God and what isn't the will of God. And we need to pray for God to empower us once we choose to do his will. Well, there are some things we learn uh, about the wind here. It says in verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Like if it's windy, PG&E will turn off your power. And then you can be without power and without light in the wind. That's sort of a new phenomenon for us. But he's saying we can see the effects of the wind. We don't actually see the wind itself. We see the leaves blowing. We say it's windy. I wish I had found and grabbed it. We had some time in Hawaii as a family celebrating, I think, our 
I don't know, it was a big anniversary, maybe 45th or something, could have been 40th, it's been a while. Anyway, they had this thing where they had a bunch of coconuts hanging and it said like, if it's windy, you know, the coconut will be swaying. If it's, if it's raining, it will be wet. If, if it's a hurricane, it will be gone. And it just had all these different categories of how you could know the weather by observing the coconuts. And, and so he's kind of making a similar suggestion. We can look and say, this is the kind of day it will be because we see the wind blowing. But he says, we see the, the effects of it. We hear the sound of it, but we can't even tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. He's applying that to those of us alive in him. So that's exciting because it's saying, hey, we don't know where he'll lead us. We don't know how he'll use us. We do know that he's in us, with us, empowering us, transforming us, and wants to use us to do that work that he has for us. Well, anyway, how can these things be? Nicodemus answers, verse 9, um, you know, everyone born of the Spirit, he goes, how could these things be? Jesus' illustration meant to bring light, it's, it's not working yet because Nick's still in the darkness. And this is why when you explain something from the word that's so clear and so certain to somebody who's not yet born again, they'll look at you with that blank stare and say, I just don't see it. I just don't get it. Don't fret. Don't give up on them. Just pray for them that God will do what he's done for you. Open their eyes open their ears, soften their heart, that the words you share with them will take root in their heart, his words shared with them, and that it will bring forth a harvest of righteousness. Well, Jesus says, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? He's like, Nick, you got to get with it. You're going to need to know this stuff if you're going to lead my people, most assuredly, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven, he reminds us his origin, his throne was there with the Father in heaven. He emptied himself, Philippians says, became one of us. We know it was a miracle. The Virgin Mary gives birth to Jesus. The incarnation is the beginning of a whole new relationship with him and his creation. And he's just reminding Nicodemus that that. Well, nobody really knows what's going on up there except the one who's come from there. And when we get to John 6, he is going to take us on a journey that is just oh so amazing as again and again, he'll say, I came down from heaven too. And he'll teach us about heaven and he'll teach us about his plan on earth and for the people of earth. 
Well, in any case, his origin, his throne, that is the destination of all who are in Christ Jesus. This life for us here on earth is all that we've ever known. Heaven can seem like a dream, a distant unknown destination that's a lifetime away from being realized. And this can create the idea for many that what happens here on earth is so much more important than what's gonna happen in heaven. But once we're there, I promise you, that won't be the case. Once in heaven, our lives here on earth will be the dream, and probably a bit of a nightmare at that. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This is a good verse to consider during the times when heaven seems more like a dream to us than a reality. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.